Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods, yeah. One in particular, I'm just a messenger, let me just pass on the rock. Browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett, yeah. The man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Slides a fox, cultured in pop, give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, yeah, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, whoa, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby, go. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast brought to you by the Pigskin Podcast Network. You can find them at pigskinpodnet on Twitter, or you can search the hashtag TPPN. We have got a loaded show for you guys today. Uh, We've got the Debo Samuel and DK Metcalf extensions. We will be previewing the start of the NFC South. We'll talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New Orleans Saints, but we will kick off the show with the Deshaun Watson news, and and I guess let's just jump right into it. Uh, He was suspended Six games uh, based on Judge Sue. I don't remember her last Robinson. name. Robinson's, or at least right now, I believe that's the plan. The NFL, I believe, can still change that. They don't have to take her recommendation. Her recommendation is that he is suspended for at least six games. We do know that if it is six games, it looks like the NFLPA, Deshaun Watson, will not fight that. Uh, Matt, I mean, kind of obviously there's a million different ways that you can go with this. Just kind of your your overall thoughts on on what we've uh, found out for Deshaun Watson. Well, you kind of got the sense that um, it was going to be a disappointing announcement uh, yesterday when they had that joint statement from Deshaun Watson and the NFLPA saying that they hoped the NFL would just honor the process and accept the decision. So that was a pretty good indication it was going to be something less than a year because prior to that, Watson had pretty well said that if he got a year, he was going to fight it in court. Um, I guess it is what it is. Uh, I find it sort of disappointing, um, especially in context with some of the other. I mean, as somebody pointed out, uh, Josh Gordon got 78 games for smoking marijuana. Uh, Calvin Ridley got a full season at least for gambling. DeAndre Hopkins accidentally took a substance and got six games. Uh, It's just kind of a weird, um, a weird situation. It means probably Cleveland will be a little more competitive. Their gambit of just, you know, trading everybody and rolling with Jacoby Brissett, that looks a lot different if you only have to do that for six games. Yeah, from a fantasy perspective, it's good for fantasy managers. From a human being perspective, it's not great. I mean, the hard thing is that we want to compare it to these other infractions of the rules. And I think by and large, they have like a set. This You do X, Y is going to happen. The personal conduct policy, it's a lot more fluid. And while... We all sit here and believe, well, there's a whole lot of shit that went on that shouldn't have happened, and it happened enough times that there should be more severe repercussions. You know, it's hard because when you look at it, you want the system to be just, and oftentimes in legal stuff, you know, it's what can we get a conviction on in, in the legal realm? It isn't what do we think happened. It's what can we win in court? And sometimes people, you know, lawyers, prosecutors, they they take something lesser because they they believe that's what they can actually win. And it leads to 
an overwhelming feeling of frustration and just a, a lack of faith in the system sometimes. I mean, the NFL isn't a bunch of choir boys. Baseball never was. You know, Ty Cobb is in the Hall of Fame, and he is a noted racist, and he pulled guns on people. And, and you know, there, there are a, a lot of cases like that. Um, when sports were getting integrated, there were a lot of people that made the Hall of Fame in all sorts of various sports that were pretty terrible people to people of color. I'm not saying we should just give up because these things happen. What we do as people, though, is we need to make sure that we as people in our own lives believe women, that we help foster inclusivity, whether it's gender or whether it's sexuality or whether it's race, that, that we're doing the things that we need to do to help move humanity forward that we support these movements and that we that we look out for our fellow man it's it's i don't know it's it's hard because there are so many that look at the situation and say well i would never have Tyreek Hill on my team i will never have uh, Joe Mixon on my fantasy team i'll never have Deshaun Watson on my fantasy team and I believe that it's okay for you to have those feelings. We play a game based on a game and it's, it's, you know, we're not gonna change the world in one fell swoop because we play fantasy football, but that doesn't mean we should give up trying. We need to make sure that in our own personal lives that we're, making sure we're upholding the standard that we're that we are on social media applying to everybody else it's it is it's very disappointing and i will say I, the one I, I do agree with dennis and i know why everybody's doing it but we really need to stop comparing the suspension lengths because there is nothing that what Josh Gordon did, Calvin Ridley did, DeAndre Hopkins did, that's anywhere near the same in whether you want to talk about like the heinous act, however you want to put it. As Dennis said, all the stuff that those other players did is collectively bargained in, in the, with the NFLPA. If you do this, this is what you get. End of story. There is no, like, yes, there's a way for you to go about that. And you can, I believe, uh, whatever the word is that I can't think of, you can fight it, you can whatever, and maybe it gets reduced. But for the most part, if you bet on games, you know you're getting a 12-year suspension. If you take any kind of PEDs, you're getting a six-game suspension. Now, they seem to have laxed a little bit on the weed stuff, but when Josh Gordon came out, that was a big deal. With the conduct policy, there is a lot of room for error and interpretation in this. And Roger Dell is the final say. And as we're talking right now, this could completely change. Deshaun Watson by tomorrow may not be suspended for only six games. Roger Goodell does not have to take that recommendation. He can come out and say he's suspended for a whole year tomorrow if he wants to. It is disappointing in the fact that if you actually read the report, Sue Robinson, the judge over this whole thing, says that the NFL actually proves that he did everything these women are saying, that he was a predator and that he sexually assaulted these women. And by I believe it's by the code of Congress, anything of an unwanted sexual advance that is unwanted is aggressive. And in the NFL code of conduct, there's there is stipulations for that. And yet she still said, no, nah, he only deserves six games. It is very disappointing for anybody who has a wife, has a daughter, sister, mother, any woman that means anything to them to see that this can happen. But I've stated this before, and I will I will continue to say it again. The NFL has showed us that it really doesn't matter. It just doesn't to them. They can say all they want that it does. They can hire women and put them in a certain place, but they've showed us Time and time again, that it does not matter to them. If you're a good player and you make them money, you get a slap on the wrist. Like it's like we're giving him a massive fine of eight million dollars. He just signed a two hundred and thirty million dollar guaranteed contract. Yeah, you're right. Eight million dollars is a massive, massive fine for him. Come on, like I and I hate to say it that way, and I, I agree with Dennis, and I'm glad that he is very being very positive about that and the fact of like we need to stick together. 
not give up, but it is very disheartening to, to come out and be like, oh, yeah, he's going to be – he's not even going to miss half a season. He's going to be back in six games. Like, it's it's just very disappointing that you can go out and do something like that, and it's just – it's practically – in my opinion, it's a slap on the wrist. That's all it is. It's not anything serious. So we'll have more time to talk about what this means for the Browns and their offense today. I don't think the time today is the time to jump into that. Uh, we have more than enough time throughout the year to discuss that. So we will, uh, let's talk about funner things for fantasy football. And that is DK Metcalf and Debo Samuel both get their contract extensions. Uh, I, I figured DK would at some point, I did not expect Debo, at least not with the 49ers with the way the offseason was going. Uh, but Dennis, you know, we got a lot of Kyler Murray's contract leaked out. Do you expect a leak coming on Debo Samuel's contract here that he's only he cannot have any more than four carries throughout his season now with this new contract? You're muted. You're muted. Actually, I do not because it's already come out that it's written into his contract that if he rushes for more than 380 yards in any season during uh, – during the contract, he gets an $850,000 addition to his salary. So he's incentivized to carry the ball um, a little bit more. I think he and, gets escalators for rushing touchdowns too. Yeah, so he Debo's role was never going to change. Debo just wanted the contract. He just wanted to get paid. And I, I kind of like this new trend of the three-year deals because it allows you, you being the players, to go out and have some security, make really good money, but yet they come out of it. Debo is going to be 30, I think, 29 or 30, and DK is going to be 27, I think, when his contract is up. So they're both in line to get another payday after this, and if they continue to perform, It'll be great. Debo's going to do what he's going to do. Uh, he's successful. Kyle Shanahan, if, if you think back, going all the way back to Mike Shanahan, what what they do is they find something that works and they keep doing it. That's just that's how those that's how they run that offense. Hey, this is working. I'm going to run it till they stop it. That's what led to Mike Anderson and Olandis Gary and Ruben Drones and. Peyton Hillis, all these guys going in and rushing for all these yards, all running the same plays in the same offense. It's all been adopted by Kyle and modified to suit his needs. But they do. They go in. The whole reason we look and say, well, I want a San Francisco running back is that we know that scheme produces solid running back numbers. So it doesn't matter if it's Debo. It doesn't matter if it's Elijah Mitchell or Tyrion Davis-Price. Whoever the back is there, they're, they're going to keep doing what they're doing. They'll run a workhorse if if that guy can hold up. So Debo will get his, you know, three to seven or eight carries a game on top of his targets. Uh, hopefully Trey Lance pans out. Debo's in a great situation. He's going to get – he'll be lined up to get another contract, uh, and he'll be happy for two more years. So when it, when he's heading into that third year, he'll start squawking then, and we'll be back where we were this summer. Yeah, I think it reflects the 49ers' position, especially John Lynch all year has been that Samuel's not going anywhere. Um, I think they were planning on getting this done. It was just a matter of timing. It's interesting for both these guys, probably good getting some long-term um, security for DK Metcalf a lot of questions about who's going to be throwing him the ball and what that's going to mean. So I think it's good for him that they're looking toward the future. You know, they probably will do something to address the quarterback this next off season for Debo Samuel. I think the recognition, a lot of his complaints, if you're going to use me as a rusher, you need to honor that. I think they did a nice job putting some of those escalator clauses in there for rushing yardage for rushing touchdowns. It makes a lot of sense, and it makes a lot of sense for the 49ers to continue to use them that way in the offense because it was very successful for them. 
Yeah, DK, um, you know, again, I expected his, and I do, I expect them to be bad this year. As much as I would like to see Locke be the guy, uh, because I don't think, you know, we've talked about it on here many times, really got a fair shot in Denver. I don't think that he will be. Chances are, I think we, uh, we've already they talked about it. pretty much said we, that Geno Smith is yeah, winning I mean, the competition. I think we all expect them to be a bottom team. They've got multiple picks. I expect them to grab a quarterback in this year's draft. So DK, I think at the end of the day, we'll be fine. Debo is the interesting one just because they used him so much in the running game. And I was a little bit worried that he wasn't going to get a contract, but I am glad they did. And I am glad that as Dennis mentioned, they've got like escalators in the contract for when he does run the ball so that we can still see him, you know, do that. What made him so much fun to watch last year, what made him so exciting was running the ball. I was a little bit worried if he got paid that they would do something and, and take that away. I don't know that he's like top three wide receiver moving forward, but I still think he's going to be a really fun fantasy asset. And it's great that he's tied to that system. All right. So we are talking about the NFC South today, and we're going to start with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who finished the season 13 and four and lost in the divisional round. Their key departures were Ronald Jones to the chiefs, O.J. Howard to the Bills, Rob Gronkowski, who is currently retired. They added Russell Gage, Julio Jones, and Kyle Rudolph, and their key rookies were Rashad White, the running back, and Cade Otten, the tight end. Matt, this receiving group is absolutely loaded. We already know they had Mike Evans. There was fear that Chris Godwin wasn't going to be back. All the reports are now he's going to be back to start the season. They bring in Russell Gage, who a lot of people were hyping up, and then they just went and added Julio Jones in free agency, and that's not even talking about the tight ends. What do you expect from Brady and this pass offense? Well, I mean, I think Brady's going to be fine. Uh, It'll be – Interesting to see how they divide up the the tight end room with with Rudolph and Cameron Bray, probably more red zone targets. I still think Mike Evans is probably going to end up leading them at receiver. I'm encouraged that they think Chris Godwin's going to be back, but I wouldn't be surprised if they ease him back in there or if he maybe doesn't go on pup but doesn't play opening you know the opening week or maybe a couple weeks. Russell Gage. Uh, has shown himself to be, you know, a great, reliable utility player. The biggest question for me is Julio Jones. I'm staying away from him in drafts, um, you know, right now. I know his ADP isn't incredibly high at 72, but I expect that will continue to pump up. Some people think he's going to put up uh, an Antonio Brown 2020-type season. I He hasn't looked good in any of the last two seasons. He's struggled mightily with injuries. It reminds me of the kind of thing that – is more of an impressive name signing than maybe actual production on the field. I think for him, it's a chance to try to win a win, win a ring. Um, it does seem, especially after the false start retirement, that this is probably Brady's last year, or he's looking at it potentially being his last year, or his last year in Tampa Bay before he goes to Miami. Apparently, if you believe all the uh, trade or all the trade reports out there, um, I think he's he ends up being a QB one, probably not QB three, maybe a little bit further back. Um, I think I like Evans and Godwin both more in the wide receiver two territory this year, but Gage could be, you know, sneaky wide receiver four, wide receiver three by the end of the year. He might have a better first part of the season than second part. Julio to me might be a good best wall option. There'll probably be one or two games where he goes off, but I don't know if I'm ever going to feel good about starting him week to week. Yeah. I, I think with the wide receivers, it comes down to once Godwin is back, and fully enforce, how do the Buccaneers divide up the snaps and the targets between Julio and Russell Gage? I, I think Julio is going to probably be the more efficient of the two, as in they're not going to put him in and not throw the ball at him more frequently. So I think generally Gage is going to play more, but they'll probably be fairly even when it comes to targets Um, And neither one, not significantly relevant. I think both of them end up, once Godwin is back, being best ballish type of guys. It's really cloudy. The tight end is even cloudier. The Buccaneers had about 170 targets to the tight end last year. So one way I think that uh, Gage and and, uh, Julio could – make it up would be to pull some of those targets from the tight end. 
Uh, Gronk led the tight ends with 89 targets last year in 12 games. I would be surprised, or I wouldn't be surprised, if neither tight end uh, hits the 89 target ceiling there and those targets kind of find their way more to the wide receivers. Uh, I, I'm probably as concerned about Leonard Fournette and the targets he might get. He had 84 targets last year. Rashad White's game is predicated on the passing. Uh, I still think if White can't block, then it'll be Leonard Fournette all the way. But from the receivers, I want in order, I want Mike Evans because he's healthy to start the season. Then I want Chris Godwin because when he comes back, he's going to be the number two guy there or the 1A, 1B. And after that, I'm probably looking at another team for a wide receiver. Yeah, um, I'm I'm with you guys. Uh, Julio, I mean, he it sounds like a value when you read his ADP, 208, wide receiver 72 off the board. I just don't think that he's going to really produce much. I actually think he hurts the tight ends more than anything else. I thought, you know, at least Cameron Brate might get some red zone targets. And as Dennis mentioned, was, was they were pretty heavily targeted with 80-plus last year. But with Julio coming in, I think that he's going to eat some of that when it comes to the red zone. We already know how efficient Mike Evans is in the red zone as well. Then they add Russell Gage, Chris Godwin coming back. I think they take a massive step back. It really is just Godwin and Evans for me as well. Like, I th- I felt like Russell Gage, he was getting a lot of a lot of pub when he first came over with Godwin being out before they brought in Julio Jones, who's still going off the board as wide receiver 46. I wasn't as high on that, but I did think he could possibly be a wide receiver three. I think he takes a massive hit here as well, because I think they're just going to use Julio in different ways at times. It's just Godwin and, and Mike Evans for me, and I'm not even that bullish on Godwin either. I, I think when he comes back, he should be good, but I would not be surprised if he doesn't finish closer to a wide receiver three by the end of the year, because I don't know that he's going to be healthy to start off the season. So I'm really kind of, as, as weird as it is for me to say this, and maybe he's my Amari Cooper this year, because I was in on Amari Cooper. Like I'm kind of in on Mike Evans. That's really the main part of this passing offense when I'm typically out on Mike Evans, but I mean, he, he wide receiver nine off the board. I don't know that you're going to get that value. I think he's going to be lower than that. I think you're probably looking at closer to like the 12 to 14 range, but I do think that he can produce for you. And so he's, he's kind of the one that I'm really going all in on because Godwin wide receiver 25, I think he finishes lower than that. Russell Gage is probably fairly close. I think he could probably outproduce 46, but I don't expect him to be a guy that I'm like betting on starting every single week. So I have a question for you guys. So this ADP was just updated on Sleeper, July 27th. It was right around – Julio hasn't been signed very long. So how high do you think his ADP rises from – he's currently going as wide receiver 72, pick 208. Like, Do you have the ADP in front of you? Yeah. Who's – my guess is who are the wide receivers in like the 53 to 55 range? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think by the end he gets up. I really do. He might crack top 50 actually. There is a lot of people that just think we're going to see like 2,000. Prime Julio Jones. Right. They're going to see that offense – with Tom Brady, they're gonna be like, "Oh, this is—he's gonna bounce back and for Super Bowl," which and will probably end up making Russell Great Gage an incredible value because right now he's at forty-six. I bet he's the one that he'll well, drop. He, yeah. he drops, yeah. yeah. So Adam Thielen is going is wide receiver fifty-three. Okay, mm. who's fifty-four, I, fifty-five? I feel like that's probably at least that's Alec great. Pierce, John Mechie. Oh, yeah. That's oh, well, John Mechie's gonna fall out. Yeah, who's, John Mechie will fall, but. Right above Thielen. Above Thielen, David Bell, Tyler Lockett, Christian Kirk. He's going to go above all of those guys. Yeah, yeah. I think keep, that's the range. Keep going right? up. It, it's great. We we could honestly see almost a complete swap. I don't think uh, Gage will fall all the way to obviously wide receiver 72, but like I could see Julio jumping up to like that 46 range. Because people right. are going to expect him to, with Tom Brady, have an absolute. And I, I don't necessarily think that he's going to be like completely horrible. Like I don't think he's going to give you like three three points a week. He's just not a guy that I don't, I don't think he's returning anywhere near his prime that we saw years ago. Like I think, yeah, it's, I, I think when we look at the lineups, if in a basic lineup, you know, super flex, two running backs, three wide receivers, one flex. 
I, I think it's hard to buy into Julio or or Gage. But I think if you get into the deeper league, if you're in a 14-teamer, if it's a three flex maybe and a super flex, you know, then you're looking at that third flex. And I think then Gage really becomes a value uh, as he drops because people are going, oh, Julio, Julio, Julio. So I'd kind of be watching that stuff. You're muted now. I know. I thought I clicked a button. It did not work. Uh, I was going to say, I do think Gage is a va- If he does drop, I do think he will be value. I mean, I do think he's a little bit of a value now. I could see him outproducing that 46. So if he drops even at like the 50, 60 range, I would definitely be willing to take him just because I do think he'll have some value at that point. Dennis, you mentioned a little bit of concern with Fournette possibly getting catches now as well. He is back, but Ronald Jones is gone. We got a top 10 running back season out of him last year. How do you feel about him and how do you feel about them adding Rashad White? Well, the thing with Fournette is going to be his health. So he had 14 games, so he missed three games last year. Um, And if he can stay healthy for all 17 games, he could make a a run for a top 12 running back. I, I feel like the the line between RB1, RB2 is kind of where he'll settle in. The challenge becomes that he's going to need to get goal line work. And when you've got six foot six Cameron Bray, six foot five Michael, Mike Evans, six foot seven Kyle Rudolph, um, potentially, you know, Brady throws it at, when he gets in the red zone because last year, the Buccaneers ran the ball the second fewest times, only 22.6 times per game across the season. And if White starts starts to usurp some of the passing down work and cuts into Fournette's 84 targets, it could get a little sketchy. Um, Fournette had, what, uh, eight touchdowns rushing. I think he's definitely going to need – to hit the double-digit rushing touchdowns if he wants to deliver on that low-end RB1. Yeah, I mean, I like Fournette to be, um, you know, a low-end RB1, I think, not quite as high as where he was. The reports about Rashad White have been encouraging uh, from camp, but they have a lot of passing weapons. They have a lot of other backs, you know, Giovanni Bernard's still on that roster. Keyshawn Font's still on that roster. Um, it makes me a little nervous because we got really hyped for some young running backs uh, in Tampa Bay before, only to see them not materialize. I still, White at 47 doesn't feel terrible, but it feels a little high. I like Fournette better at RB14 because I think he probably gets in that 10 to 12 range. Uh, He works real well with Brady. He seems to fit what they're doing. He's the one they decided to bank on. They let Ronald Jones go. They gave him a three-year contract this time. No more of the, hey, we think we might want you. Let's see what you got. I I think at least for this year, he's poised to have a pretty big role, and I don't think he's going to be in as much of a split as other people do. Yeah, I think they brought him back for a reason. He can, he's, as you just mentioned, he really seems to work well with Brady. I, I, I'm hesitant to say top 10 because I feel like he's going to take some step back, but I still think he's probably top 12. Uh, and as you mentioned, he's currently going off the board at RB14. I take that for a guy who has a shot at being a top 12 running back. Like he's, he's, I still think going to get past is still a really good runner. Like I do think Rashad White is probably the other guy in this backfield because Bruce Arians is gone and we've seen he just really did not want to it seemed like trust any of the rookie running backs they brought in lately. Uh, I feel like with his receiving ability and what he can do, he's going to be the next guy up. I think he jumps Giovanni Bernard. Keyshawn Vaughn, I think, just needs to be the next Ronald Jones and go somewhere else to get a shot. We've, we've heard a lot of actually nice things about Ronald Jones at Kansas City camp. I, I think Keyshawn Vaughn's going to need that as well to get out of there. But I'm, I'm betting on uh Leonard Fournette I mean Rashad White I do think is a value where he's at at RB 47 but he's not a guy that I would ever really plan on starting for the most part I think that's kind of a you're you're risking a lot if you if you grab him at any point expect him to be starting as like your RB3 uh or your flex or anything like that 
Are we all sold on this as the final year for Brady, at least in Tampa Bay? We won't say the final year of, of his career. As, uh, as Matt mentioned earlier, there's rumors he may end up going to Miami. Are we all sold that this is it for him, at least in Tampa Bay? I say yes. I think that this is it, period. I, I think, you know, he's done. If they win a Super Bowl, yes. If they don't win a Super Bowl, I... I'm not sure because we were on the fence about whether we thought he was going to go after last year, and he actually retired, and after a couple months was like, yeah, no. So part of it for me, too, is I want to see what he looks like playing. If we still see the same Brady and they are real competitive going in. If you looked at the NFC, honestly, it's probably – a few years for uh, the teams that aren't in competition now. It's probably a few years for most of them to turn things around their own division, the NFC South. I wouldn't, I wouldn't use the word stability to describe any of the other teams. So it's hard. It's hard to say definitively with Brady. All right, they're over under set at 11.5. They did win 13 games last year. Matt, are you taking the over or the under? I'm going to take the over. I think they win 12 or 13 again, especially given the NFC. I think it's the Buccaneers, the Rams, and then a tear break. Yeah, I'm on the over as well. Yeah, so am I. I think they probably at least get to 12. I mean, there's realistically a shot that they win all. They sweep their entire division. Like It's not great. The and only interesting thing is I forgot that he has never beaten the Saints in the regular yeah. season. Even last year, you think about what the Saints were like. I it floored me when I was when they said it on the radio. I was like, that can't be right. I went and looked at it. Th- this has got to be the year. He's got to be one of those guys like Peyton Manning that beats everybody, right? So like this is the I think he at least gets one of them. Maybe he doesn't sweep them, but he gets one of them. Football fans, DraftKings changed the fantasy game forever back in 2012, and now, 10 years later, they are doing it again with Rainmakers Football, the first ever NFT fantasy football game. A new way to enjoy daily fantasy football, a new shot to win millions in prizes, and the only NFT fantasy game licensed by the NFLPA. Playing Rainmakers football is simple. Buy, sell, bid, and win player cards of the biggest names in the game through regular drops and auctions. Build your collection of football stars and enter free Rainmaker football contest all season long to compete for millions in jaw-dropping prizes. Each week, craft your lineup of athletes from your NFT collection, rack up points for touchdowns, receptions, and more like you would in any daily fantasy football. The next generation of fantasy sports is almost here. Download the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app now and sign up with promo code TPPN. That is TPPN. Click the Rainmakers tile and opt in so you can be ready for the next drop. Play free for millions in prizes all football season and build ultimate NFT fantasy franchise with Rainmakers football. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings. Eligibility and restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Speaking of the Saints, the team that just has got Brady's number, they finished 9-8 and eight last year and second in the NFC South. Their key departures were Trevor Simeon, Ty Montgomery, and Lil Jordan Humphrey. Their key additions, they brought in Jarvis Landry, Andy Dalton, and Tyron Matthew. And in the draft, they added Chris Olave and running back Abram Smith. Dennis, Jameis Winston is back. How do we feel about this offense and the new-look receiving core with the return of Michael Thomas and the additions of Jarvis Landry and Chris Olave? I feel like the receiving core has been upgraded, and it has some clearly defined roles amongst the the team. You've got Olave is going to be the deep threat. He's going to be productive this year, but it's going to be a high-variant season for him. Uh, Jameis has the guts to go down down the field, and that's going to be good for Olave. But sometimes you connect those, sometimes you don't. Uh, you know, high A-dot players don't have quite the uh, uh, catch percentage that uh, low A-dot players do. You've got Jarvis Landry. Landry is going to be in the slot. He's He is – like Wes Welker, Hunter Renfro, 
you know, those guys, it, you know, Jarvis is the archetype of that position. And then you've got Michael Thomas, who from all images seems to be healthy and ready to go finally. And he's going to work that intermediate area. And Thomas is big enough that he can do that. He's got good size. He'll still produce probably, I feel like Thomas, Thomas is probably going to get the numbers. If, if I'm looking at it for fantasy, uh, just because he'll have, he, he may be pretty close in catches with Jarvis, but Thomas is going to have him on touchdowns and yardage. Olave will be behind them in catches, but he'll, he'll be probably close to Thomas uh, in yardage. I, I like the, the wide receiver group. I think it's substantially upgraded, and it's going to give um, Jameis an opportunity to step back to the forefront as a passer. And then they've got a, once Kamara gets back from his suspension, if he ever finally gets suspended, uh, they'll have a good running game as well. Yeah, that's an, that's another sneaky one, which we'll, we'll get to that suddenly we've got no info, man. I love Michael Thomas. After that, I, you know, I have so many shares and I've been starting to feel the last few years like he's Le'Veon Bell, who, you know, I loved. And ha I think at one point in time I had him on 90% of my teams. And you didn't see him for a couple of years. And then when he came back, it just wasn't the same. So I've been real hesitant about Michael Thomas. But, damn, you see that footage and stuff. And all I can think is I'm ready to get hurt again. Um, I think his uh, – I think – it looks like, you know, Thomas going around the 91st pick, I'm guessing it's more like wide receiver 30 uh, than, yeah, than I'm, I'm maybe I'll look up my guy now. Um, I like him right there. I thought he had wide receiver three potential. I think if he can bounce back, he can be a wide receiver two. He could be even on top tier wide receiver two. I still like him the best of those three. Um you know, I'm excited to see what Jarvis Landry can do, but it's been a rough couple of years for him. He's another one that it's hard to tell. Was it the situation in Cleveland? Was it injuries in Cleveland? He hasn't had spectacular years the last couple of years. I'm excited for him going back home where he played college. He seemed excited about that. Alave, um, you know, he'll get a chance to develop. It's amazing thinking that we started last year with this Saints team with like Marquez Callaway and Traquan Smith. And uh, one of those hey. guys wasn't even available. And Marcus now they have Callaway, Callaway was the preseason darling. Everybody was drafting. Him. Yeah. Well, when you can get that wide receiver 43 quality in the second round of a draft, you go darn it. You got to do it. I I'm, I'm kind of quietly excited to see James Winston. I think QB 23 is about right for ADP, especially with the news about Deshaun Watson quarterback is so loaded, even missing six games. I think Deshaun Watson finishes up in the top 20. So I think James Winston probably is a lower end QB too. And that's not a bad thing. You know, we talked about when we were looking at the AFC South, people like Trevor Lawrence um, can take a step forward and still end up as a low end QB two. It's just so loaded in that QB market. I'm excited they have some weapons. I am sort of out on Adam Troutman. Um, I'm beginning to wonder if he's like the tight end equivalent of the word fetch. It's just everybody's we're going to stop trying to make fetch happen. Yeah, I saw he's down to tight end 35. Um, but I'm I'm encouraged about Michael Thomas. I'm wondering if there was some personality conflicts too because it seemed like um, – he made some contract concessions to stay with the team like he wanted to be there now. And I'm hoping that's a good sign going forward. Uh, Michael Thomas is wide receiver 30 in sleepers ADP. That's not I figured three. That made the yeah, so I am I'm honestly kind of excited about this offense as well. Uh, especially if Jameis is allowed to pass the ball with any kind of like let James volume, cook like that uh yeah let James cook if he gets any kind of volume like he did in Tampa Bay uh, we could see multiple weapons here 
I'm still a little bit hesitant on Michael Thomas, but I feel like at his ADP, that's kind of worth paying for him. And wide receiver 30 for a guy, I think his days of being like a top 12 wide receiver are over with, but would you be surprised if he finishes like wide receiver 20 to 24? I mean, that's pretty good value when you can get him at wide receiver 30. I want to be in on Jarvis Landry, but I feel like he's the one who's going to play third fiddle, but I still could see him at, out producing wide receiver 56. And like, I don't want to get too bullish on this offense because we know Alvin Kamara is still going to get the ball a lot. I mean, his uh, court case for anybody who did not know just got delayed another 60 days. So there's a shot. He's not even suspended this season with everything going on with him. So he's going to get his receptions as well. And then Chris Olave at wide receiver 43, I also think is going to outproduce his ADPs, like all three of them. And it's crazy to say that I'm in on all three of them, but I am in on all three of them. Olave's a sneaky one for me. I think he could be the best out of the three with what he's able to do. Uh, as Dennis knows, another Ohio State fan watched him a lot on Saturdays. Like he's not the fastest wide receiver on the field, but he just always finds ways to get open and he can be a deep threat. I think he brings that offense one thing that Thomas and Landry do not. And that is where I think Olave is going to thrive. But if I had to bet on it, it'd be Olave and Thomas for me. I do think Landry is going to be the third because we've just always seen him produce on volume. And I don't I don't see him getting like 90 plus receptions this year. And I think that's where he's going to have to come through for you. If you even want him to, I still think he outproduces wide receiver 56, but I don't think he jumps up to like, he's consistently been a wide receiver, high end wide receiver two at worst. I think even his worst years in Cleveland, he was a wide receiver three. I don't know that he even gets to that because I don't think he gets the volume. So talking about Michael Thomas again, do you think he's better or worse than 64 catches, 916 yards, and five touchdowns? I'm sorry. I was replying back to a message. What did you just say? Is Michael Thomas going to be better than 64 receptions, 916 yards, and five touchdowns? That was last year's wide receiver 30. I mean, I think they can be. I think he can I think he can be. I think I think he could probably get I think touchdowns but, might be close to that, but I think he could was, get a thousand receptions. Give the stat line again because it was sixty four for nine eighty and five, right? Nine sixteen. So hundred and four targets, sixty four catches, nine hundred and sixteen yards and five touchdowns. I think he's more like 80, 1106. Okay. I don't know about 1100. I think he gets over 1000 though. I think he could. If if he's the Michael Thomas I'm ready that, to get hurt again. I know. I know <laughs> you are. I know. I'm just trying to pull the reins back a little bit. Uh, so I mean Nick last, last year's wide receiver 30 was Devonta Smith. Okay. I mean I I think he could be well, I think he could be better than that. Like I said, I think he could be top 20. I really do. So, mm-hmm. I, I, but I, I think 1100 is a little much because I do think Chris Olave is going to be a part. And again, Alvin Kamara, like, I don't think this is going to be the Michael Thomas that we see just get force fed targets, right? Like, I, I maybe I'm wrong. Uh, Drew Brees did that because Drew Brees knew he could count on him for everything. I don't know that we're getting peak Michael Thomas that we had a couple years ago, but even if we get 80% of that, like, I do think he could be a top 24 wide receiver. So, like, he'd be the one. So, if all three of us had to put... Who was wide receiver 30, though? They got 104 targets and only 64 receptions. Devonta Smith. Devonta Smith. The Jalen Hurts is his quarterback. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, Michael Thomas Win- got a much Win- better catch. Winston's will, will produce a better catch rate, ratio. That's oh, well, Michael saying. Thomas. If he gets 110 yeah. targets, I think 80 receptions is not enough. Oh, I'll I'll compromise ten fifty. I'll, I'll I'll go ten fifty. So do we all think that he's going to be the best wide receiver fantasy wise for the Saints this year? And yes. if not, who are you taking? I I do think he'll be the best. Yes, he'll be the best. So who? Let me see. I lost my train of thought here. Ah, there's what I'm looking for. Uh, New Orleans. Had the they were thirtieth in pass attempts last year with five hundred and four. No offense, but they actually started Ian Book. I know. I mean, if you had, and I love Taysom Hill as an athlete, but when I think Taysom Hill, I don't think pass volume per se. So what was so? Give this if you do you have the stats up? What wide receiver twenty produced? Uh, Let's see. 
because usually wide receiver doesn't have an incredible spread. It's touchdowns and receptions that seem to make the and poor Devonta Smith. He probably won't greatly increase those numbers with AJ Brown. Wide receiver 20, 134 targets, 90 catches, 1,037 yards, and six touchdowns. So I feel like I, I mean, nailed that. I'm just, I'm just saying. I feel like I absolutely nailed that. Matt and I are both ready. If your name is Matt and you're on the show, you're ready to get hurt again with Michael Thomas. I mean, that's, that's, that's what we've learned. That's pretty close to what we just projected, is it right. not? I, yeah. I, that's where I think he finished. Well, Michael really Thomas did. has been insanely um, – Efficient usually with his catch production. Now part of that's because he's retired. Not, what part of no, that's well, retired? Well, and part of it's usually the depth of target. He's not exactly going thirty yards down yeah. the field every time. Right, but, which is probably why, makes sense now too. Which is why I think Olave will be the two because of Jarvis Landry's not mm-hmm. challenging the field vertically either. It's going to be Chris Olave. And we know Winston is not afraid to throw those YOLO balls. So that's why I think if, if you had to put them in order, it would be Thomas, Olave, Landry for fantasy. Production. So I see what you're saying is we're going to get 30 touchdowns, but also 30 interceptions. I don't think he goes 30 for 30 again this year, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's like 32 and 25. Like I, I think he could take a step up and, and – passing touchdowns maybe a little bit let's step back there in the interception so matt we we know that there's still technically a six game suspension looming for alvin kamara but as we just talked about there was a report released today that they pushed that quarterback court day back 60 more days so the worst part about that is we could actually get a a suspension like mid-season for alvin kamara and, and screw you with that being said what are your thoughts on Kamara, and is there another New Orleans running back that you want? Um, the first part of that is easy. No, there's not another New Orleans running back. Um, you know, I tried to talk myself into Mark Ingram. Um, I haven't gotten there. Would love to see something out of Abram Smith in the preseason that makes me feel better, but I don't think any of those guys is Alvin Kamara. Pushing back 60 days, first of all, the six games was a rumored projection of what a suspension would be. So what's possibly looming is a suspension. And as we've seen for months, we thought the one that got announced today was going to be a full season. So we don't know what tomorrow's. You don't know how it's going to get adjudicated out. My personal feeling is if they push it 60 days and that's into the season, they will probably try to push it again or um, – or they'll try to settle it because they usually don't run trials for these players during seasons. Now I'm with you. It seems the the danger of taking Kamara where you're going to have to go get him and his ADP, as we had noted uh, before, never really fell off that much. I mean, it slid back a little bit from where it was when we were looking a little while ago, but I think it's, it's still has remained pretty high as if people don't, aren't worried about him getting suspended. And I would say, you know, running back 10 is a pretty good reflection that you think he's going to be there. I think that's a, a pretty good floor. The danger is you lose him for December or January. And we've seen that before, but I think the appeal is there for me and I would go get him. And given all that, I'm not worrying about who else is in their backfield. So Kamara's ADP is at 32. So I'm not going to get him. If he falls, he'd have to fall probably to the end of the third, maybe into the early fourth for me to decide to take him. In part because he's, he's what now? He's 27. He's a receiving back. Last year was the, his least efficient year because they wrote him as a runner, and that just has not historically been his game. I know they brought Ingram Ingram back. They signed, I think Abram Smith was a free agent or very late round draft pick. And they sort of have that grinder model. So they could go back to when Ingram was there the first time with Ingram between the tackles, Kamara on the outside and catching passes. But if I have to take six games out of that production, 
I just don't know that I'm I'm going to go there in the third round. Um, I I'm even struggling as much as I want to buy into Christian McCaffrey. I I can't get over the fact that he's only played ten games in the last two seasons, and so where I would have to draft him, and it's the same with Kamara. I'd probably have to get him in the fourth round to draft him. I just don't think I could pull the trigger. Uh, on him in the third round because my first three rounds, I, I'm not taking a lot of risks. And right now, Kamara presents that risk. This is really hard for me. Uh, I, I pick still me, think. Pick me, pick me. I think I will take. I would take him at RB ten, depending on and how DB falls as Dennis mentioned, like into the third round. Because I do think he can outproduce that. As Matt mentioned, I mean, is six game suspension is what we're expecting. It could be two games. And unless that comes in the playoffs, that may not affect you that much. I think he can easily outproduce that RB10 value. Third round right now in the ADP with an ADP of 3.2. And I think there's a couple of players that you can take. Like Mark Ingram, you know, I know he's talked about preparing himself and his body to be the, the top running back for the New Orleans Saints. We'll see. I feel like he's slowly every year kind of been falling off more and more, but you're not, it's not like you're paying very high for him. You're getting him as RB 57 with an ADP of 186.5. And I would still take Abram Smith. I, I know Matt just mentioned like he wants to see something from him in the preseason. I wouldn't be surprised if we do. And if we do, his ADP probably goes up. But right now it's RB 85 off the board with an ADP of 277.7. That's free money in my opinion, and I will tell you why. And granted, again, I understand, you know, undrafted free agent, he got the highest undrafted free agent contract out of all the free agents this year, um, did not get drafted. So typically these guys don't pan out. The last guy to do this was James Robinson, right? Which, again, it's not often. Like, you hear James Robinson, and I think the one before that was Philip Lindsay. So, like, yes, you've seen a couple of them in the past few years, but it's not often that these guys do. But if you look at running backs – who finished top 10 in these categories in their in a college season, yards, yards after contact, 10-plus yard runs, 15-plus yard runs, breakaway yards, first downs, attempts, rushing grade, and YPA. These are the only other running backs to do this in the year that they got drafted. Najee Harris, Javante Williams, and Michael Carter did it, but they didn't have the attempts because they split carries. Jonathan Taylor did it both in 2019 and 2018. And 2017, just to speak on the fact of how good Jonathan Taylor is, J.K. Dobbins, A.J. Dillon did it on all of them but missed the 15-plus yard runs. Travion Williams did it in 2018. I'm going to tell you right now, he's the only project that has not been successful at the NFL level. The last ones who have done it, and I, I only went back to 2016, Rashad Penny, which granted, I think we can all admit was a decent running back. Injuries have really kind of screwed him. And then Devin Singletary did it as well. All of those guys have been successful at the NFL level. Abram Smith is a very good running back. Reason he did not get drafted, he tore his ACL twice, and he played linebacker in college for multiple years and was a special teams guy before getting his shot at running back. He's not a guy. We're talking rookie drafts or even a dynasty league that I would be taking super early and expecting to bet my team on. But if you're telling me I can get a guy with that talent at RB85, I would take a shot on him because if – Kamara does get suspended. I do think he will be fantasy viable for you. And he's a guy that I think they will use in some kind of role moving forward. So if I have Kamara, you sold me, I'll take him over. Mark Ingram. <laughs> if, if, if Kamara does get suspended, and if you take Kamara in the third round, I'm taking Abram Smith with my last pick because that's where you have to take him. It's not like you have to take him in the 10th round. You can literally take him as your last pick. And then you just stash him in your dynasty leagues. Redraft, you don't even have to draft him. You can sit there and wait, wait, wait until you hear something off the wave right and then take him because I do think he will be better than Mark Ingram. So I am all in on Abram Smith. We'll see if that works out for me. I just I think he's a very talented running back. I know um, I'm almost positive Garrett Price liked him a lot as well. I want to say he was rated pretty high in the nerd score for Garrett at least. Like He's a very good running back. I just think he gets overlooked because of things that happened for him in his culture. And again, he didn't get drafted. So you are betting on him being an outlier, which a lot of people don't want to do because it is very rare that those guys produce. So back to Kamara. Let's play a little who you taking. Uh, Alvin Kamara or Nick Chubb? I'm taking Chubb. Now with what with 
with Watson coming back, it's kind of hard to imagine Chubb doesn't have an incredible season. It, it really is hard to not imagine that. I think they both finish as running back ones, but I'd probably take Kamara. Uh, Kamara or DeAndre Swift? Swift. Swift, but that I is believe. Close. I believe. It's just a rushing. I'm ready so to get bad. hurt by Detroit. I'm ready. He's Apparently, I'm just ready Jackson. for The only one I'm not ready to be hurt by is Melvin Gordon. And the Broncos? You're, you're not ready to get hurt yet? Well, I mean, I just sort of expect <laughs> that. All right. Kamara or Javante Williams? Oh, Javante. I hate you so much. Javante. It's Javante easily for me. Are we talking about Dynasty or Redraft? Just Redraft. I'm going to be honest. The... Um, The coach said yesterday that he hasn't decided who the Broncos' starting running back was, and I started to get a lot of PTSD. I, bet I still did. want it to be Chimonte. I still, but I'm a lot more nervous about Denver. All right, Kamara or Saquon Barkley? It's Kamara. Yeah, it's probably Kamara. Kamara and the Giants just ugh. Aaron Jones. Kamara. Aaron Jones. So Swift and Chubb are currently ahead of Kamara and ADP. Williams, Barkley, and Jones directly behind him. I mean, maybe I'm out on an island, but I think Aaron Jones is about to have a huge season because I think he's the one of their best receivers. Yeah. I think Alan Lazard is in for a massive season. I was just talking about this today with Ray Garvin. I think he's going to be Jordy Nelson. I really do. I, know, it's great. I feel bad because we already talked about the NFC North and that, but I, I, the more and more I look at it, like he's pumped him up. He actually was heavily targeted down toward the end of the stretch last year, even with Devontae. And we know when Aaron Rodgers likes one guy, they just go all in on him. They really didn't do much for him at wide receiver in the rookie draft. They let Marquez Valdez-Scantling go. Like, I think he's going to target Lazard like he does Devon- he did Devontae Adams. I'm still curious um... – He's talked glowingly on multiple occasions about Romeo Dubs. Oh, I think Dubs is going to be good too, but I I don't think it's I think that's more of like a shot at Christian Watt Christian Watson if I'm being honest. But I I don't <laughs> think Dubs is going to. I'm sorry. What you're saying, Aaron right. Rodgers would take a shot? No, yeah, not at all. He's a failed or otherwise. But I I don't think that Dubs I don't think Dubs will compete with Lazard though. Like I think Lazard has a shot. I don't. I feel like wide receiver one is too hot take. I think he could be up by like wide receiver 15 though. If he gets that kind of like, we know volume matters. Like you don't have to be that good if you're getting the volume. And he's also got the size though, that Devonte Adams doesn't have. Like he's almost the same size. I think he's almost well, practically the same size. We get as Jordan to our rankings episodes. We're all going to cry because I feel like now this is the same thing that happens every year. We're going through all these teams and we talk ourselves into one yeah. or two guys on every team being a wide receiver one and two. You know, there's only 24 yeah. slots I, available. When you get and start looking at the actual rankings, it's like I I've already been working on mine. Lazard is very high. Oh, like I'm, I'm all in on Lazard. But anyways, are there any tight ends that you guys really have any interest in? Again, this wide receiver core is really loaded. I think that none of those guys are really going to do much. We know that they're talking about obviously. Uh, you, you've got Troutman, who a lot of people really liked coming out of his rookie season, tight end 38. I don't know that he really does anything and then you've got Taysom Hill who apparently is still going to be splitting some time at quarterback but will obviously be playing tight end as well I was just bummed that after week one of last year Juwan Johnson didn't continue to be a thing he had one other game where he caught two touchdowns he like had all of his touchdowns in two games just about the time you completely gave up on him he caught a couple more touchdowns and it's like I'm right back in he was I know, uh I never he was first last year. Yeah. I just if he could just get decent if he could just get consistent targets, because he's an athletic guy. I don't think he was Marcus Colston, which is who they were talking about, uh Juwan Johnson in the same vein, because he's just bigger. And so and he's not as athletic as Colston was, even though Colston probably wasn't known for being a super athlete. Um but Johnson is—he's a tight end. He just—I don't know. I—I I, I don't have any faith really in any of the uh, New Orleans tight ends. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not rostering 
any tight ends. All right, their over-under is set at eight, and they just missed the playoffs last year, again, finishing at nine and eight. Dennis, are you taking the over or the under? Um, I'm going to take the over just because I I feel like Jameis Winston got the shaft and I want to see him do well. So I'm taking the over with my heart. I'm going to take a slight over two because I think it's more likely they go nine, nine than to seven, but eight feels like a like Las Vegas knows what they're doing. Yeah, I'm going to take the slide over as well. I, I think they're going to be at least nine wins. I, I actually think they'll be competing to make the playoffs again this year. Um, it's not a bad defense, and if they can ch- – Michael Thomas coming back, like this is, I think this is actually going to be a really good offense. So I'm, I'm kind of in on the Saints doing something this year, especially in a weak NFC just conference altogether. All right, so that will do it for us today. Uh, we will not have a live show Friday, but a podcast will drop first thing Friday morning. So we'll be back again next Monday, and we'll be talking Wait, about. We're not going to do the the Falcons and the Panthers live. We, oh my! You're going to have to listen to all those hot takes about Baker Mayfield. Uh, it's not that I don't quarterback want two in Carolina because you know. Right on. Anytime we can talk about. <laughs> Baker Mayfield. I am a very, very happy man. But no, we will not to answer your this. question. It's the AFC East. Right. So we'll be Monday. back live with the Bills and the Bills Patriots. and the Patriots. It's a good episode to come back live for. So that'll be the week of the expo too. So that'll be a fun, mm-hmm. fun week to get into stuff. So we will be back again next Monday live, but we will have a podcast drop before you guys on Friday morning. So make sure to check that out. We will see you guys in a week. Everybody be safe and have fun. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Oh, they tackle him at the point of Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play? I can! <laughs>